Well, once again, Merry Christmas and welcome this evening. You know, as I think back on um, the Christmases of my past 44 years, um, I can think of some pretty amazing gifts that I've received. You know, I've received the Big Wheels. Y'all remember Big Wheels? Pretty, pretty high class, um, you know, bikes basically. I've received BMX bikes. I received aquariums, um, things for my car. My wife and I every year in January, we go on a trip and we kind of call that Christmas anniversary and, and birthday and all of these gifts. I've received clothes and shoes, eye products, um, tech gifts, you know, a Atari's, game system, all of these different things. But I want you to know the greatest gift that I ever received outside of salvation, okay? Let's, let's keep it spiritual now. The greatest gift I ever received was a couple of years ago. My dad gave me this right here, okay? Now, for most of you in this room, this is just a wreath. But I want you to know this is so much more than just a wreath. This is a singing wreath, Okay? Come on, work. Isn't that how this always works? Here we go. Now, the great thing about this is at one time, the eyes actually went up and down. The mouth actually talked. Here we go again. There. Isn't that awesome? I mean, this used to hang in our house. And so when we would walk from room to room, it would go off. When we turn lights on and off, it would, it would go off. Now it is stuck in my study, like kind of hidden. But, and it's turned off most of the time, but sometimes I go in there and I turn it on just so that when I turn the lights off, everybody in the house can hear it. Just the greatest gift ever. And I know that that's not much to you, but it's a big deal to me because it's annoying. And my family gets annoyed by it. The reason it ended up at my house is because my dad was sick of it. All right? But it's just a great gift. You know, this morning, or this evening, we come together and we're continuing our Christmas sermon series, The Light of Christmas. And over the past several weeks, we've looked at, first of all, we looked at Jesus coming into this world and, and, and being the light and eradicating darkness. And we've looked at how um, the different characters within the Christmas story responded to the light. We looked at how Joseph and Mary responded to the light. We looked at how Zechariah and Elizabeth responded to the light. We looked at how shepherds and angels responded to the light. And this morning we looked at how Simeon and Anna responded to the light. And then this evening we're looking at how the wise men responded to the light. You know... I've entitled this sermon, A Star is Born. And a king was born on that Christmas morning some 2,000 years ago. You know, of all the characters within the Christmas story, the wise men seem to be some of the most popular, don't they? Most nativity scenes display them. Most Christmas pageants include them. Many of the sermons that are preached at Christmas time include them as well. And, and I want us to read and study together 
about the wise men. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke, I mean to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can also see the the word up on the screen here. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When, the star, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want you to know this evening, wise people respond to the light, don't they? Wise men, women, students, and children respond to the light of Jesus Christ. They respond to the special revelation given to them by the God of the universe. Also, notice our first point is this. Wise people seek him. Wise people seek him. Our texts call these men wise men. You know, uh, um, last year at one of, which is about 80 of them, but at one of our white elephant gift exchanges, my wife received this. Three wise men, seriously. Many of you have seen this before. And I thought that was pretty funny until my wife kind of looked down at it. And then she looked at me. And then she looked back down at it. And then she just pointed at me and started laughing at me. You know, most of you in this room think that my wife is just this real sweet, innocent young lady. But I want you to know right now, she has a mean streak, and that is proven because that has a prominent place within our house. Once again, wise men, women, students, and children seek after Jesus. Our passage calls these men wise men. Other translations refer to them as magi. We don't know a lot about these men. What we do know is that these men were pagan. They worshiped the gods of this world and not the one true God. They were unbelieving Gentiles. They were called magi, which is short for magicians. These men believed thoroughly in the power of magic. They were astronomers and astrologers. They believed the stars predicted the future and one's own fate. These guys were as pagan as pagan could get. You know, it amazes me that God gave these pagan men such a prominent role within our Christmas story. Think about it. God did not choose the priests or the Pharisees or the scribes. He didn't choose the religious leaders to be the wise men, did he? 
He chose a bunch of pagans from a far east land. In fact, as we look at all the different characters within our Christmas story, there was only one that that was a priest that we know of for certain, and that was Zechariah. Simeon, we don't know. He could have been a priest as we looked at this morning, but we don't know about that. Mary and Joseph, who were they? They were a couple of young peasants. The shepherds, I mean, who were they? I mean, they were as low on the social class as you could get. The Talmud says that they were just one step above the lepers. Simeon, he was an old man. Anna was anywhere between 84 and 100 years of age. These are the people that God chose to reveal his truth to of the coming Messiah. What does these men and women tell us? You don't need to be of noble birth. You don't have to have great riches. You don't have to be a part of a social class or an ethnic class or born into a specific class of people or in a specific place. You just need to be available and willing to respond to the Lord's invitation to play a significant role in human history. Just like each one of our characters within the Christmas story had a significant role in human history, every single one of us in this room have a significant role to play in human history. If we have the light of Christ dwelling within us, we are called to be the light, aren't we? So we come together this evening to celebrate the light of Christ bursting in to human history. Wise ones seek Jesus. Notice also that foolish people oppose him. The fool within our story this evening is a man by the name of King Herod. King Herod is one of the most ruthless men to ever walk this planet. Before Jesus, he was indeed the king of the Jews. He was a bloodthirsty tyrant If anyone opposed him, he would have them put to death. In fact, he had many of his children and even wives, history tells us, that he put to death. Who would do such a thing? When Herod gets word that there are men searching the streets trying to find a baby born king of the Jews, what does he do? He begins to panic. Scripture tells us that he is troubled. And what that literally means is that he was in turmoil or he was terrified. He is terrified because his dynasty is potentially in trouble. So what does he do? He summons all of the religious leaders together. He summons the chief priest and he summons the scribes. The chief priest, these men were supposed to be the spiritual men of Israel. What they had become were a bunch of corrupt politicians. The scribes, these men were well-versed in the law. They knew the Mosaic law as well as the man-made laws that were added to the Mosaic law. They acted like lawyers during the days of Jesus. These priests and these scribes were corrupt individuals. And that's one of the reasons that Herod summoned them to inquire of them about the Messiah that was to be born. Herod was not well-versed in Scripture, but he clearly had a basic knowledge of Scripture. Surely he knew that the day would come when, when, when the Messiah would come because prophecy had predicted such. He knew 
And the religious leaders knew. But when he came, they did not fall down and worship him. They completely opposed him. I pray this evening that the name of Jesus does not repulse you, but the name of Jesus draws you into a time of worshiping him. My prayer for all of us is that the name of Jesus leads us to want to worship and adore him above all things. Notice Herod's deception. Herod summons the wise men and he deceives them into believing that he too wants to worship the baby born king of the Jews. Herod did not want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. In fact, the wise men respond to the light and they go to Jesus and they fall down and worship him and they share their gifts with him. And scripture tells us that in a dream they are instructed not to return to Herod. And when the wise men did not return, he becomes so angry. Herod becomes so angry that he instructs all male children two years of age and younger to be put to death. This man was a ruthless man. So the wise men leave the presence of the king to continue their journey to the baby born king of the Jews. And notice that wise people offer sacrifices to him. You know, think about these wise men. We know that they were from the east. And most likely they came a considerable distance to worship Jesus Christ. Since Herod sought to kill every male two years old and younger in the region of Bethlehem, you can be certain that, that Jesus was more than, most, more than just days old. I know that all of our nativity scenes show wise men as being part of them, but I hate to tell you this, but the wise men were not there at the nativity scene. Okay, I know that they make great fillers within our nativity scenes, but the wise men were not part of that. And, and, but Here's what we do know is that they traveled a considerable distance. Their journey was, was months, and it could have taken it as much as two years before they came to worship Jesus Christ. These wise men sacrificed much to prefer, pursue Jesus. They left their homes behind. They left their professions behind. They left their families behind. And they may have even left their spouses and their children behind. And in our scripture this evening, we see that they also leave their treasures behind. They leave their gifts there at the feet of Jesus Christ. Notice these men followed the star. In verses 9 and 10, again, I want to read these to you. It says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And I love... Um, Within the exalting Jesus commentary, the commentator writes this, describing the star. You know, a lot of times we think of a physical, the North Star. But I like what this commentator says. He says, like the pillar of a cloud by day and fire by night that led the people of God through the wilderness in the Old Testament, the star led the wise men to the place where Jesus was. You know, the wise men always knew where they were going because they were led there by the Lord. And whenever the wise men show up, 
up at the presence of Jesus, you can see their joy in verse 11. We read, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Their journey had finally come to an end. Their pursuit had finally brought them to the King of kings, the King of the Jews, the King of all mankind, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a relief that must have been. What a relief it must have been after such a long journey to finally come to worship the newborn king. These men had spent months journeying, and we can see that when they reached their destination, they were not left disappointed. They were full of joy, and they demonstrate their joyfulness by following down and worshiping Jesus Christ. Folks, you bow down when you are in the presence of one superior than yourself. And that's exactly what these wise men did. They bowed down and they worshiped Jesus because Jesus is superior than all of us in this room. He was superior to these wise men and he's superior to each one of us. My question for you this evening is this. Have you allowed yourself to experience the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas? You know, in the midst of the past probably four or five weeks... Many of us have been so caught up in the busyness of Christmas, whether that is um, making preparations for Christmas morning or Christmas Eve or making, you know, running to the store and buying gifts. Maybe it's Christmas parties at work. So many things consume our attention at Christmas. But where is Jesus most of the time at Christmas? He's kind of put back here, isn't he? Man, let us give Jesus a prominent place in our homes this Christmas. A prominent place this evening in our home and a prominent place tomorrow in our home and a prominent place every single day in our home. Wise men, women, students, and children worship the King. You know, the wise men did not come empty-handed, did they? No, they came bringing extravagant gifts to the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Matthew 11, the latter part of, of our Matthew chapter 2, the latter part of verse 11. It says, Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, what do we know about these gifts? We know that they were given as an extension of their worship. You and I give of our time and our talents and our treasures also to Christ's church and to the community that we live in as an extension of our worship as well. And these gifts that these wise men gave were an extension of their worship. They gave three gifts. They gave gold. Gold emphasizes Jesus' royalty. Gold was the gift for kings. Throughout Scripture, we see this to be true, and we can be certain that Jesus Christ was indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They gave frankincense. Frankincense emphasizes Jesus' deity. Frankincense was an incense that, royal, that royalty and those with great wealth would use. And within Scripture, it is used to, and, and, and as referencing a, a, a component of man's worship. And the last gift that was given was myrrh. And myrrh emphasizes Jesus' humanity. Myrrh was basically a perfume with many different purposes. 
Whereas frankincense would be associated with the worship of God, myrrh is more associated with the anointing of man. In the book of John, in John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42, we are told that myrrh was used to prepare Jesus' body for burial in the tomb. I wonder if these men realized that whenever they came to worship the newborn king and they came and brought their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that it would be myrrh that would be used to prepare Jesus' body after he died a criminal's death. An innocent man that died a criminal's death on the cross. Folks, the baby born of a virgin in the manger that we come to celebrate this evening did not remain in a manger, did he? You know, I know a lot of times within our society, we like to keep Jesus in the manger. But Jesus did not remain in the manger. He being God, given the earthly name Jesus, took on flesh. He grew to be a man who came to provide a way for you and I to be saved from our sins. He came to reconcile our broken, sin-filled lives to God the Father. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. There is only one way to enter into an eternal relationship with God the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. The whole reason that Jesus burst into human history and dwelt among us was to provide a way for you and I to be reconciled to God. And the only way that you and I can be reconciled to a holy God is we too must be sanctified. We must be purified. We must be cleaned. And the way that that happens is we repent of our sins. And when we repent of our sins, Scripture says that Jesus will take those sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west, and he will remember those no more. And at that moment, we are given the Holy Spirit, and we become a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. And with this new life, we are given a sanctified um, we become sanctified people. We, became, we become men and women that have been set free from the law of sin and death. We have been purified. And as such, we can be brought into the presence of God the Father. If you are here this evening and you have never entered into an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then I cannot imagine a better time than this evening to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here this evening and you don't know Jesus Christ, what is keeping you from placing your faith and trust in him? What is keeping you this evening from repenting of your sins and crying out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? There's no greater gift that you could receive at Christmas than salvation. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The consequences for our sin is death. Okay, eternal separation from God. But the great part about Romans 6.23 is the second part. It says, but the free gift, the free gift that God the Father has provided for us through his son Jesus Christ is eternal life if we repent of our sins and cry out to Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. What we're going to do now is I'm going to be just standing here at the front. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray, and we're going to have a brief invitation. And an invitation is just a time for you to respond and make a decision if you don't know Jesus to place your faith and trust in him. Let's stand together.
Our praise team is going to come. If there's a decision you need to make this evening, you come. You come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this evening. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity just to come together to worship you. Father, one thing that we know is that wise men, women, students, and children seek after you. Father, I pray that if there are some in this room this evening that have yet to begin their faith journey with you, they have yet to respond to you, I pray that this evening they will make the greatest decision that they could ever make. And that is to confess with their mouth that you are Lord and Savior of their life and repent of their sins. And if they do that, your word promises us that we shall experience eternal life. So if there's someone here this evening that does not know you, Father, draw them unto yourself. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.